0: So oh, Gloria, welcome to the pod. I'm so excited to have you. I've been following you since May and your Dolly Parton stage at show, um, and we connected over our love of Dolly Parton. Um, and like now, it's almost a year later, and I've got to see like all of your content and things you've been up to and things you've been designing. And I'm so excited to have you on today. So how are you? I'm
1: well. I'm a little chilly, but I'm good. <laughs> kind of cold
0: here it's free yeah we've had snow for the last week so it's just sort it's of okay
1: snow is cute rain that's what i say it rain is... and drag
0: <laughs> it, I, I love that snow is rain and drag mm-hmm. i mean so we're sort of we're still obviously in a pandemic new york hasn't fully opened back up to full capacity venues and things but you were able to do a couple shows like outdoor shows and things. How was your Mm -hmm. first show in a COVID world? Um,
1: Well, if people don't know me, I am uh, New York City's old Hollywood queen and also premier Judy Garland impersonator. Um, And I'm a drag queen and I also make, I'm also a costume designer, a theatrical costume designer. So I make all the clothes that I wear. And I have this, Uh, Drag sister, who is um, my main collaborator and main inspiration in drag. Um, Her name is Maxie Factor. She does all my wigs. And so, uh, before all of this happened, Maxie and I did a regular monthly show at the Stonewall Inn. Um, And sometimes it was a Judy show, and I would do Judy, and she would do like Doris Day and different people. Um, And that was kind of one of our central things that we did. And so in October, there's a venue called Don't Tell Mama in New York City. It's a very um a historic cabaret venue and um, that's very famous for its piano bar. And they started doing they have this really wonderful brownstone stoop outside of their building. And um if you ever seen the Cosby show, like a Stoop like the Cosby show And um, they turned their little Stoop into a beautiful Little proscenium Outdoor stage Um, And Maxie and I went to go see one of our Drag sisters uh, Laguna Blue And her daughter Castrata in the show There and um, We both turned To each other and were like we have to do We have to bring our vintage old Hollywood Glamour to the stoop (laughs) So, um, I met the owner, or the manager, and I was like, I pitched him this idea of us doing a vintage, you know, old Hollywood fashion stoop show, and so we did one in October, we did one in November, and we did Have Yourself a Starry Little Christmas in December, and then everything completely shut down,
0: so... I yeah. love that you have stoop shows now though. That is incredible.
1: Yeah. It really we could still in theory
0: do it. It's just
1: so cold and there's so much snow. There are other venues doing outdoor drag performance right now. Um, but man, you really have to weather the weather <laughs> to want to see it. So um so that I think they will open back up once the weather turns, like in March, a little warmer.
0: Yeah. So. Because New York's outdoor only at the minute, isn't it? Um,
1: I think today is the first day that they're doing 25% indoor dining. So there are some drag venues that are doing indoor drag shows. But uh, I mean, to each their own, not my cup of tea. but
0: Yeah, we've had, I mean, it's kind of the same in the UK. Everything's been open and then closed again. And then it was outdoor Mm -hmm. only for a while. And then it was indoor and then it was. Just now, nothing again. Um, but, and you're, like you mentioned, you're an incredible designer. And I had like a cheeky look at your resume and your website earlier. Oh, <laughs> and you've done so much like you did Orange is the New Black, like theater. What is your mm-hmm. like favorite project to work on, Gloria, though?
1: I did work on, yeah, I worked in TV and film for two and a half years. Um, I, Honestly, what whatever's the next thing that's going to pay my bills. I <laughs> it's my favorite project. The so check that clears. Um but as a Gloria, my favorite things to create are um a large elaborate period looks. I really love doing elaborate looks that have hats, that have crafts, that have accessories, that have new techniques I've never tried, things like that. So
0: Definitely about the details. I think with like when I see your posts on Instagram, yeah. like everything is on point. There's nothing you've like forgotten to do, and I think you've also had your work on the main stage of Drag Race as well, which is exciting.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've had a couple. I've had a couple, I and mean, more to come. So,
0: oh, is that is that a hint? I mean, yeah, this is, this is the twelfth of Feb as we film this, and it will be coming out not mm-hmm. next Friday but the Friday after. So. Hopefully, we'll have seen some more by then. I'm hoping we get some red, orange, and um, yellow. <laughs> uh, Tina
1: really hopes for that, doesn't she?
0: <laughs> it's so funny. I,
1: I think the color, they always do a color runway. And I think the color runway this season is yellow.
0: She, ha- she has to win that. It's literally her color,
1: or at least do well.
0: Yeah. There's been a
1: lot of yellow across all of the different um drag races recently. There's Lemon, there's Jenny Lemon, Mamie Bamboo Lash wears a lot of yellow, does the yellow wig. Yeah. Because
0: have you seen last night's drag race?
1: Uh, I did. I did watch it, yeah. Because
0: there was a lot of yellow then as well. Yeah, right? I mean, we had a literal seagull, but...
1: There's that's... a lot of yellow going yeah. on. Yellow, it's a it's trending. It is a pantone color of the year. Is yellow and gray. I didn't. Unfortunately, know.
0: that's probably yeah. why. Then I find yellow is just like not a very easy color to style. It's
1: not. It's not easy to design with either. It can be very unflattering.
0: That's, I have like because I I've sort of my wardrobe by color. When you get to like the yellows and oranges, mm. like two things. Oh yeah, I well been you for like a year.
1: You have a very pinky undertone to your skin, so that makes sense. Yellow and orange would not look good on you.
0: No, they don't. They really don't. Um, But I know you and I have talked about this a little bit before, but Dragon New York is very different to the UK.
1: Dragon New York is different than everywhere else in the world. Um, (laughs) As I have come to learn. Um, I've never been to the United Kingdom, but um, I have a lot of friends on social media from the UK, and I do surmise that drag there is very
0: different. So, do you think it is about New York that makes it such the like?
1: You, you know, it is, here's what it is, I
0: think. The difference
1: in New York is all kinds of performance, not just drag, but theater, music, um, uh, dance, is kind of all centered around solo performance. You know, when you think to like Judy and Barbara and Liza, they did these big concerts that were just them for two and a half hours, right? And um, same thing goes for theater. There's a lot of like, you know, famous theater or film actors doing solo performance pieces. So New York performance has a long history in watching a virtuosic performer entertain you for two and a half hours uh and that is prevalent in the drag too so most of the drag shows in new york are either solo shows or duo shows where you're really watching the same performer for the entire night as opposed to most of the rest of america and a lot of the uk i think too is more of a variety show situation or more of a um Sort of a follies layout where you're getting a lot of different acts and a lot of different performers and a lot of variety. And so, in that case, as a performer, you begin to hone yourself into like a niche of uh, a niche group of acts and like how you differentiate between all the other performers in an evening. Whereas, if you're doing a solo show that's two hours in a bar on a Friday night in Hell's Kitchen and you have to entertain drunk gay tourists um you're going to have to develop a repertoire of numbers that has a wide variety um and it's and you're not gonna be able to change clothes so uh you have to entertain people purely with your
0: charisma uniqueness nerve and talent so is it is it a lot of locals or is it mostly drunk gay tourists like you said um i think
1: it's like half and half it's a lot of tourists and people from out of town and like people bringing their friend who's visiting and things like that in midtown at least so is that where you mainly perform um yeah i mostly perform in midtown i don't really perform in brooklyn and i used to have a regular brunch show in queens and even in queens our brunch show was usually half and half locals and half tourists
0: i guess it's the same with like the theaters and things as well a lot of that's tourism based
1: yeah, I mean, that's the reason why the the Broadway industry and just the live performance industry being shut down is so detrimental to New York City is because so many of the restaurants and other businesses depend on the foot traffic of live performance and people coming to the city for live performance. So,
0: Yeah, I can remember, um, I can't remember what street it's on, but just off Times Square John's Pizzeria. And every time we'd go to New York... Uh, We'd, like, go see a show, and then we'd wait in that massive line for, like, an hour and a half, year after year. For mediocre Um, pizza. There's probably so many, like, better places, but, like, we went there probably, like, 12 years ago for for the first time, and then now every time someone goes, like, you need to go here.
1: 12 years? When you were
0: six? (laughs) Yeah, seven...
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, this is like.
1: <laughs> 12 years ago, I was 19. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I put that on my story the other day, and the amount of messages, like, I'm like, stop complaining that you're young. And I was like, okay. Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, a- it's, it's, just... it's, enjoy it while you can. Yeah. Like, Alexis just sent me a dinosaur emoji. Oh my gosh. And that was her oh. response. To- But speaking of, like, New York queens, we have four on season 13 this year. Mm -hmm. We've got Candy, Rose, Olivia, and Tina finally made it after all these years. Mm -hmm. And I found this really interesting figure. Out of the 179 queens that have competed on the U.S. season, 40 of them are from New York.
1: Well, I mean, she do know how to
0: produce
1: the drag queen.
0: I think it's, because it's, I mean, as we're recording this, all four are still in the competition as well. That's a solid, that's a
1: solid, like, quarter.
0: Yeah, that's, that is a lot. Yeah, I yeah. mean,
1: given, there are not, there are nine million people in New York City, Yeah. so there's just more people, so it makes sense. But, um, I think there's just a lot of performers who, um, end up doing drag and then the drag ends up being very very good
0: yeah so. and I think the thing with for some reason I think from a UK perspective anyway a lot of the American queens that are known about here that haven't been on Drag Race are New York queens mm. like, like the name Tina Burner has been going around in my head for probably three four years and she's like just now made because it's it's like the mecca of drag isn't it
1: yeah i mean it's just as important you know when people are like why isn't this person being on drag race yet? it's just as important that they are ready to be on drag race as it is that the that the um it's the right cast you know what i mean yeah. so you can't think of it as like the queens on this season are the best in america right now it's more like this is the best group of a cast that we can put together because yeah. there might be somebody who's great but who doesn't necessarily fit the chemistry of the season they're trying to create yeah
0: and definitely it's definitely been a season those yeah because um, it's so like from again from a uk perspective it's like <laughs> gutting to us that like our queens are leaving on episode one Then the u.s they've got like four episodes of like a trial run
1: yeah, I know. I think I think they largely did that because so many of them pour so much money into it um, in a way that I don't think the UK drag race queens do because the stakes are different. It's just kind of a different competition. Um, the New York one, they really... So for them to, like, you know, leave the first week is not a very good return on their investment. So I think it is courteous of them uh, to the Queens to give them like a whole month on TV, as opposed to, you know, telling them to go pack it, which I like it because then, you know, when there was an elimination, I felt like, it didn't feel like, wow, that person just had a bad day and who knows what else they had. It did feel like, Okay, we well, kind of understand this person, you know, and understand what they can do. And they're going home, but I kind of understand why they're going home at this moment,
0: you know? Yeah. Because, I mean, again, last night's UK elimination, everyone was, I mean, it was a double elimination, really. Yeah. Which Gosh, was, that was rough. That was yeah. rough. Which is, that's, but at least she's coming back next season.
1: I or know, has been invited anyway.
0: Um, but one last thing I wanted to say about the UK season is a few episodes ago, we had the conversation between Ginny and Bimini about gender identity um, mm-hmm. and their non-binary identities. And I wanted to ask you, because I know you identify as trans non-binary as well, how did you think that conversation was handled? Like, do you think that was a good?
1: Yeah, I, 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 it was the first time in the whole show that I felt kind of like scene. Um in a way. Um it I'm glad that it happened that before Jenny was off. Um yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think um I hope there are more conversations like that on the American one because I know they happen I know that they have happened in the workroom. They just have not necessarily been shown. Um and if you go watch other seasons you can sort of you sort of intuit that that conversation either happened or was about to happen and they didn't show it like last season Gigi good talks a little bit about like, not really identifying as a man very briefly. And then they just never really touch on it. So I'm hoping that means the U S season gets to have more conversations like that, but I was kind of surprised because um, drag race doesn't really go there. In the last couple of years, they haven't really gone there with like diff- difficult conversations like that. Um, but I was glad that they they have done that with um, Mick on this current season, and I was glad that they gave space to like Candy News and Tamisha Amon to have a real conversation about their drama in a way that I thought was very adult, you know. Um, but they've not always encouraged that in the past. It feels like.
0: Because I think already there was, I mean, even though we've only had, what, five episodes now of the UK season, we had Cherry opened up about, like, her heritage and how that was. And then we had the Ginny Mm. Bimini conversation. I feel like we've been on, I'm I'm very shocked because there wasn't really anything like that last year except for Davina's conversation.
1: Yeah, and then there's also the Ahura talking about, like, um, work and not being able to work because she did drag yeah um, that was an interesting conversation i that has happened to me too so i fully understand that people judging you for doing drag in a field and especially the fashion field is not very open-minded at all
0: which um, is surprising considering like fashion and oh, drag yeah. are so intertwined
1: kind of i mean but people if you think about it fashion is like ballet or like opera it's very invested in gender norms um and it's very invested in gender norms of bodies too, you know, and it's very misogynistic. When I I worked in fashion for like two years and um eventually just like left it because like I would work fashion shows and people would tell me like oh it's really not appropriate for you to be wearing a black dress. And I'm like I'm wearing a black dress and black tights and black shoes. Like why does it matter? You know what I mean? Okay. Um and it was really surprising, you know, they they would be like well the cl- client thinks it's really um, inappropriate for you to be dressing this way. You should really be in a black suit. And I was like, well, I don't own a black suit. So, uh, <laughs> unless you're providing the black suit, I'm not going to wear it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I totally mean, get that. When she started saying that, I was like, oh, retweet. Like, this is so real.
0: Because I, I never yeah. thought about that. And then Lawrence talked about Scottish queens being paid drastically less than English queens.
1: Yeah, which is surprising when you see what Lawrence Cheney brings to the competition. The dra- the level of drag is it does at times feel like Lawrence Chaney is competing in American drag race. Yeah. <laughs> because her looks are just there and her level of polish is there.
0: I think it's the same with taste. Like it's just so high level.
1: Yeah. She's a little more rough, she's a little more um She's a little more rough and ready, I think. She's a little more, like, um, I think taking more risks. You know what I mean? Pairing things together that you're like, "Mm, I'm not sure if it works, but I like the effort. You know? Yeah. But it was
0: interesting to realize they actually got to take everything home with them over the seven-month break. Well, they should. And they got to work on it and change things, which...
1: Yeah. Well, I mean... If you think about it, like, they should be... They they should... I'm glad they let them do that because I'm sure some of them change size. Yeah. You know? I know I did.
0: <laughs> so. But, seven like, seven months is such a long time. Like, imagine if the yeah. American season did that. It would be...
1: wild. I just can't... I mean, I don't know about the UK, but in America, they usually have three or four weeks to prepare. So if you knew that the... That you had that awful ice cream outfit for seven months. Why would you not get around to making it better?
0: Are you talking about a certain queen named after Tia her Coffee? Oh, oh, we're naming names?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, we all watched it. I mean, I... Oh, my God. So terrible. Oh, but wild. also... But here's the thing about Tia Coffee. So terrible, and yet I'm kind of grateful how terrible was because we got wonderful, funny moments of her personality on the runway about it. Yeah. You know? Like, she handles it so well. She handles that criticism so well and weirdly turns it into like a positive where everybody's laughing. You
0: That's know? the thing. Like, her looks are not there. I think anyone who's watching it could agree to that. But she's so funny. Like, she's so lovable. Yeah.
1: She needs a team. She needs help with that, which is totally fine. You can't expect everybody to be everything. Yeah. You know, but she she needs a team. And that's what Rue said. Rue's like, if you had the fifty person team I have who makes me look the way I do, you'd be a star. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but you can't blame her for not having the fifty person team because that's exactly. a queer drag artist, you know. But you know, you could call up a couple of friends and get some opinions on some things and you know. Yeah.
0: I mean, especially because she's, her and Veronica are like best friends. So. Oh, I didn't know that. They could have seen each other over the summer. Yeah, I and mean. Like, I, she could have at least stoned Veronica's it. Okay. Yeah.
1: Veronica, she did stone it. It was stoned. Was it? Yeah. Oh. Around the edges. Yeah. It's not the it's not it's not the lack of glitz that was the issue. It's the fit that's the issue.
0: Because in the UK, they came out with another episode today of like what they got up to in the seven months. Oh, that's interesting. I've on seen it iPlayer yet. and Veronica was like got like even yeah, it was quite sad to watch. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but moving on past UK Drag Race, mm-hmm. I. And I have loads of questions about Gloria as well. I came up with this little game of drag themed. Would you rather. Oh, cute. Um, so the first one is, would you rather be read by Bianca Del Rio or Bob, the drag queen?
1: I would rather be read by Bianca Del Rio.
0: She's like, she scares me as a viewer. I,
1: I, I just have a feeling I would laugh at it. I, I mean, it's, they're both great, but if Bianca Del Rio read me, I probably would get tattooed on my body.
0: <laughs> so. Um, only be allowed to perform Judy Garland or Dolly Parton for the rest of your career.
1: Um, I would... Uh, why would you make that I, a thing? It was... Um, I, I would definitely choose Judy, because I think Judy has far less clunkers than Dolly does. Dolly's got some real clunkers. <laughs> And I like country, but it can really grate on you after a while. And Judy did more genres than just jazz or standards or anything like that.
0: Yeah, okay. I did think that was a slightly mean one, but um, oh, no. uh, would you rather be roommates with Monet Exchange as Maya Angelou or Ginger Minge as Adele?
1: Oh, m- definitely Monet Exchange as Maya Angelou.
0: <laughs> That's like one of my favorite snatch games ever. Um, this next one I feel like is also slightly cruel. I do apologize, but would you rather do an entire show wearing Lollies' bag ball look or Kennedy Davenport's chicken look? The first.
1: Oh, version. definitely the bag ball look. The bag ball <laughs> look. The bag ball look. The bag-ball
0: look. I, Over the When we were like,
1: when we were like, this is the worst thing. I was like. Do we remember the chicken, that is what I thought. I was like, do we remember that? Because I think we're just forgetting it, which is fine. I think the bags are worse than the
0: chicken. At least the chicken was stoned.
1: I think the, I think the bags were at least easy to look at.
0: <laughs> so. um, the next one is, would you rather have Bimni Bomboulash or Lawrence Chinese accent?
1: Uh, Lawrence Cheney. <laughs>
0: I would rather have Lawrence Cheney. Uh, she's so funny. They, every time they open their mouth, I'm laughing.
1: Where's Bimney from?
0: Uh, she's actually from Norwich, which is like 15 minutes down the road from me. But she's got, she doesn't sound like people from here. I don't know where that came from.
1: It's weird. It's weird that in the UK, you can like travel 40 miles and people you cannot understand what people are saying.
0: <laughs> yeah honestly like I find the Leeds accent where I go to uni quite difficult and yet you go to Newcastle and I'm like what what are they saying? What's happening? I'll
1: pretend to know what, what the yeah. difference is. But...
0: You just uh, oh oh I'm not even gonna try to do a Geordie accent but it's very like a little bit high pitch but also really deep so it's got like such extremes and you just like you just nod and pretend like you know what they said to you and
1: Your accent is quite posh.
0: Do you think it seems? Do you think?
1: Yeah, it's quite <laughs> posh, yeah.
0: Cuz I like when I listen back to these to edit them I hate hearing my accent because I hear like bits of American, I hear bits of Scottish, I hear bits of English. It is a journey. Yeah.
1: Do you um what do you Okay. I wanna hear the way you pronounce some things. Um, okay. Not a niece, but a... Nephew. Okay. And not, um, if we are planning a time for something, it's on a...
0: Schedule. Okay, interesting.
1: But, you know, when I, um, when I was in theater school and we took dialects, we learned um, royal pronunciation. Which is like Kensington English, like what, like basically what Queen Elizabeth sounds like. That, like, "air mummy," you know, and like she's. They say things like "nephew" and "schedule" and like such a weird, like, um, weird pronunciations of very strange words. Yeah. You know, do you say vitamin?
0: I say vitamin.
1: Do you say um, vegetable?
0: No, no, it's just vegetable.
1: Or aluminium.
0: Aluminum.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's all those, like, weird kinsing... Like, I guess Kensington. But, like,
0: everyone else I know says aluminium.
1: Oh, okay. Interesting. I think... Because I, like... Do they say vitamin? Yeah.
0: Yeah, interesting. Which... And then I hear, like... I go back to, like, American mode, and I'm like, what, you sound so English. And they're like, yeah, that's because I am. Like, I love yeah.
1: it. I love it. I think it sounds... As um ben De Crim's Maggie Smith would say, we
0: invented the language. Or according to Monet, they actually did not invent the language. Oh my God. <laughs> that was, yeah. She needs a history lesson. But um, my last would you rather was, would you rather wear Tina's red, yellow, and orange forever or wear pink? I know Rosé doesn't wear pink all the time, but do pink forever. I would
1: rather wear pink much, much rather wear pink.
0: I mean, I know we've already established yellow and orange would not flatter me, but at least you can mix things up. That's three colors.
1: I know, but the like, the Crayola red, yellow, and orange, I'm waiting for an elegant, tasteful, gorgeous use of red, yellow, and orange. I don't know that we're going to get it, but I'm hoping for it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe like the finale gown will be we'll see we'll see but moving past like drag race and accents I want to talk about you and Gloria and how Mm. you started in drag and everything so how did Gloria come about was that that was after you graduated right
1: um no I started doing uh drag in 2010 when I was an undergrad um I was asked to do um I was I was a costume design major. I had taken makeup makeup design and makeup techniques. And I was asked by a local theater in Memphis to make up a design and production of La Caja Fall, which is the m- musical that inspired which is the musical inspired by the French movie that eventually inspired the bird Cage. Uh and in La Caja Fall, there is a chorus of about 10 to 15 drag queen dancers um, of varying gender identities. So all drag queens, but not necessarily every person identifies as male or female or anything like that. So you're basically transforming all different kinds of people into drag artists Um, and they have to do it in 45 minutes. So I got hired to design makeup for production of Akasha Fall. And I was like, yeah, I could do this. I have no idea how to do drag makeup but I got hired early enough that I spent like three months um, basically learning from local drag queens and then also doing my own um, research and development. And I made up designs the show and I was like, well, maybe I should do drag. And I've always been, you know, what me and my drag sister Maxi, we like to say that like, we have women who guide us in our drag, like central women whether they be real celebrities um, like Judy Garland or Dolly Parton, or whether they be people we know like our grandmothers who showed us these movies, who instilled um, a sense of fashion in us. And so I I think I've always had drag in me because I've always had these women who were central to why I love the things I love and why I gravitate towards the things I gravitate towards. Um, so, when I started doing drag when I was like 20, um, it really was just a manifestation of all of that. Um, and it seemed very logical that I was an actor and also a costume designer, and drag just sort of accumulated all these things I loved. I loved makeup, I loved clothes, I loved performing, I loved music. Um, and it sort of brings all of that together in one place. So that's kind of how Gloria first came about. I had a lot of drag names at first. Um, uh, but Gloria if Gloria Swan Song, eventually is what I landed on. So
0: You tell us any of your previous ones. Um, the only one I remember
1: is Viola Page was one of my previous ones, which is like sort of a Shakespeare um, pun. But there's also a movie from the 40s called The the Dance of the Red Shoes um, that has a character in it named Viola Page. So,
0: I, think, I mean, Gloria Swanson is an incredible drag name. I think so. People really like it. Even if you don't know who Gloria
1: Swanson is, it still tells you yeah. a bit about what I am and what I do. And it, I really do... I, every look is glorious and every number is a swan
0: song. So, And I think you've got like... Like, the I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. Jumil. That is just, like, like, an, just enter rooms and just say that, I think.
1: I know. Well, now Joe Black has done that, like, 14 million times in the two episodes she was on Drag Race, so.
0: I know. I th- I heard the words Glenn Close about seven times last night.
1: Yeah. what an interesting, an interesting reference to her.
0: But they do look like a lot what? alike. It's true. It's true. And he's got a picture of the two of them side by side. And he just looks like a slightly taller. Which is impossible because he's I think
1: she's taller. Do you think she's taller than him?
0: I think because he's tiny, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he's very tiny. Especially in that girl group challenge. I was like, who is this woman with all of these tall people? I was like,
0: why is he standing next to Ellie?
1: They're like right. six
0: and a half feet tall, and then there's Joe in his H and M dress. Yeah, H and M, Primark. That that must have yeah. pained you as a designer to see that.
1: I mean, I it's it's in a world in which everything else that Joe brought was probably very, um, did not fit. With what everyone else had, so she was trying to compromise a little bit so that she blended in a little more, yeah, and then she got read for it, so which is unfortunate,
0: yeah, I mean it, I think it was a little bit harsh, I was quite harsh, yeah, like watching that, I was like, RuPaul, what are you on
1: yeah, I you know, especially when her runway was like one of one of the best runways of this of the uk series
0: yeah because so. i mean i read i know this is slightly off topic again but i read in because he do like exit interviews again today that he mm-hmm. actually sold most of his outfits over the oh, wow. lockdown to pay rent and then when they got told they were going back and that he was getting the opportunity to go back on he had to then find the money to buy them all back again
1: that's insane but it makes he, sense
0: yeah and i feel like I was like, how are you screaming at people who have been unemployed for the last seven months? About I know.
1: I was really. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause that was in like the little like um in the seven month thing that came out today. It was like Ellie went back to McDonald's, Ahura was working in a department store, Terry was back in the hospital. Yeah, but, a nurse. Yeah. yeah. But I'm gonna Moving past RuPaul because I feel like I'm very annoyed with him after last night. So, mm-hmm. um, but so like is Gloria mostly inspired by like the Hollywood vixens of like the 20s?
1: Sorry, ask that again.
0: Uh, would you say that like, Gloria is mostly inspired by like Hollywood vixens of like the 20s and 30s?
1: Um, actually, I don't reference the 20s and 30s nearly as much as I like, do like the late 40s and the 50s. Um, because I really like fitted silhouettes, um, and I like the construction of clothes in those periods because there's more structure, um, and I love structure. Uh, but I think, um, you know, I don't like to limit myself to just that, you know, um, I like to move around all, you know, all over all kinds of decades and also things that don't really fit in a decade at all, um. You know, Gloria Swanson herself was a silent film star, um, and I certainly tap into that sometimes, but I try to do I try to like my drag my drag takes where we've been, our past, um brings it into the present to address issues that we're facing right now so we can like have a better future, you know.
0: Is it still, like, from when you were a child that you were always drawn to them, like, through your grandmother and things?
1: Um, yeah. And, like, you know, the thing about old Hollywood is that old Hollywood is one of the only times in art history where there was really a really wide and diverse array of women who were very strong in cinema and having very strong narratives, um, people did not necessarily go to movies to see men. They went. They went to movies to see all these women in old Hollywood. And I think drag is very similar to that. You know, it's about cel- Drag queens largely celebrate femininity in its wide arrays of expression. Um, and I think that that's one of that's one of the reasons that. I and many other drag artists constantly return to old Hollywood, is because we um, we see a lot of power in how these women wielded their femininity and glamour as um, armor and shields. You know, um, it's very empowering as to queer people. You know,
0: and I think even like the like burlesque artists of like the twenties and thirties, like Tempest Storm um, and people like that, who sort of like you said, were, like, the first times, like, people were going not to see men to see women. And that mm-hmm. sort of, like, began a bit of a movement. I mean, is it... Would you say it's the, like, independence about these women that you're drawn to then, just there?
1: Um, I think it's, like, a lot of... Also, a lot of old Hollywood stars were dressed by queer people, you know, and their hair was done by queer people. So it was, like, these queer people who are like living in closets, expressing themselves and living vicariously through these Hollywood starlets who were kind of their closest confidants and things. It's a very unique relationship that reminds me of like drag. Um, And I think that's why it inspires me so much. And I feel like we can, we have a lot that we can still learn and glean from, you know, old Hollywood, but also progress forward past, you know, um there's also just like there's you know there like the way that Beyoncé puts together a music video is not really that different or dissimilar from the way an MGM picture was put together you know there are wardrobe tests there are um hair tests there are so many different collaborative artists who come together to create you know, Beyonce or Lady Gaga or Lizzo or Ariana Grande to create their art. And so really the the art they're creating is their music and their acting and their performance. But really another art they're creating is the community they create around themselves as a performer. And so I, to me, that is like, that is kind of what my drag is all about. Like my drag is about community and trying to create community um, around the art you create, um, so that's like a big goal of mine in the future. Now and in the future is to really find ways that I can up the ante in how to how to like expand my own personal drag in Swansong Studios to include more and more drag artists, to include more and more queer artists, and um, to create more inclusive platforms. So.
0: I'd love to see you. Which is hard to
1: do when it's just you by yourself, you know? Because
0: I'd love to see, like, um, you and Marty sort of put together, like, a very inclusive version of, like, a drag pageant. Because I think there's... Yeah.
1: Yeah, do you know who The Suburbia is?
0: I don't know.
1: The Suburbia is a drag artist in New York City who's Black, and they are... um, they are very, they're very, very interesting. They're very like um, the future of drag. I love the suburbia. Um, I'm inspired by the suburbia. I'm, sub- I'm very inspired by um, my drag sister, Emmy Gray. She's um, from Burma, um, now known as Myanmar, um, and is um, a migrant on asylum here in the United States. And she has really carved out a world for herself where she created this uh, show called A Plus Pan, the Pan-Asian Drag Review, where she books and features um, Asian drag artists from ac- across the entire Asian diaspora and um, in a wide variety of gender expression and drag expression. Um, and so someone like Immigrate really inspires me because she doesn't wait for permission to create space for herself she just does it you know yeah and that really inspires me um that to me is more political than running for any office you know a drag is political
0: yeah and that's I think um I know like you share a lot of stuff in your stories um and I find like every when I go on Instagram you and Miss Malice you're, you're both your Insta stories are always filled with like calls to action things that don't seem to make it across the pond, if you know what I mean. Like things that, like I oh, hear interesting. about, huh. like from um, your stories that I've, no one out, no one here is talking about, which is really interesting because I feel like, oh, interesting, and huh. in I guess because like British drag has a different roots, I suppose. I don't think it is as much a form mm. of activism as it is in the US.
1: Well, New York City, especially, drag is like activism. You have, you know, you will get grilled alive if you're not an activist, as drag queen. No, I think drag in the UK has more of its roots in music hall and in pantomime, Yeah, you know, in assimilated performance, you know what I mean? Because
0: so. I guess because it's always, been, there's always, like you said, pantomime dames, like drag's always been on mainstream television, just not in the same way that it is now.
1: Yeah, and sometimes it's been straight guys.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, Um, like, there's there's still a show um, called Mrs. Brown's Boys, and it's Mm. this straight man, and he's a drag queen, isn't like an old lady, and like that was my first introduction to drag, like,
1: like kind of like Dame Edna. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm. A little bit like that, but not as tasteful. Oh tasteful. Oh Which, but th- that says a lot, saying it's, like it's not even less tasteful than Dave end. But I mean, because you, you do entire shows as Judy Garland. Like, when did you mm-hmm. sort of add, was it re- recently that you added Judy in?
1: Yeah, it was like two or three years ago. Um, i had always loved Judy. Judy had always been a very central point of inspiration. I never did Judy because it felt like to me um it felt, she was so sacred that it was, I didn't feel like I was there. You know, I wasn't ready for that journey. I wasn't ready to go on the journey of doing Judy Garland. So I, um, cause Gloria Swanson has gone through lots of iterations. I've been many, many things. Um, so I, uh, when I first did Judy, it was at this competition in New York that now is defunct called So You Think You Can Drag. And a lot of uh former drag race stars have were in So You Think You Can Drag. Uh and we had a Legends and Divas night and I did Judy Garland's the Battle Hymn of the Republic. And uh a person there, her name, a drag queen there named chiffon Dior, who owns and operates work.com, she uh she was the one who came up to me and was like, You need to do a Judy Garland show. You need to do a Judy show. And I was like, that had never occurred to me before. And um, it was with her, like, pushing that I did my first Judy show at New World Stages. And then eventually I ended up doing, my Judy show ended up at the Stonewall Inn.
0: I've, so. Obviously, I've never seen a full show, uh, but I've seen, like, clips and bits of it. And it's, like, the likeness when you're performing. Yeah.
1: And I, you, I you know what's sweet is the first, the first digital show that I did and Quarantine was a Judy show at the end of March last year. And it was really amazing because it was the first time I did a digital show and my parents came to it. And my parents are from, they're from the South and they're kind of conservative, um, but they do support my drag um, and they were excited to see it. And my dad was like, my dad called me afterwards and was like, I forgot that I was watching you. We just forgot that it was you. We totally forgot that we were watching you perform. And he's like, it really just seemed like Judy Garland. And that was like, that's like such the highest compliment from somebody who doesn't know anything about drag, who doesn't watch drag at all. You know, just see a, their first drag show, me doing Judy and to like be transported, you know. And Judy Garland's like not my dad's thing, but liked it they really loved the dolly show they the, loved the dolly yeah, show mom they had a lot of notes
0: the dolly show did that
1: they? they had a lot of notes about the dolly show yeah they did
0: really so.
1: well i'm from nashville tennessee so dolly is like our she is our jesus she is our yeah. saint so they they grew up with dolly they know dolly they know all of her tics my mom was like next time you do it, you need to get this, you know, this, this, and this down, this is, these are things that she does, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, so it was nice, it's nice, it's nice to get notes, for people.
0: Yeah, oh my god, I could, I could not imagine, like, my mom, like, being like, you need to, I'm like,
1: well, my parents are engineers, so it's really not like them to ever have any performance notes, but, yeah. you know, they work at a guitar factory in Nashville, Tennessee. My mom has met Dolly Parton several times in the factory, so that's. Then her notes come from a, a real place.
0: Yeah. Know? Oh, I, Dolly Parton is just ever. We have her like Glastonbury performance recorded to the DVR, mm. in, like every three months. I'm like, we need to watch this again. I think it's time. Mm. Um. But I would love to see. You and Alexis do like a Judy and Liza show. Has that ever happened?
1: Um, I, when I first started doing Judy, so Alexis Michelle is actually like one of the she I gave me my first like paid booking in New York City, um, and insisted I do Judy, and then she did Liza, and um, but she also does an amazing Barbara. I don't know if you know that. No. She does an amazing Barbara Streisand. I wish, if she's on All-Star, I'm putting it out there. If she's on All-Stars, I want her to do Young Barbara because her Young Barbara is so good. It's so funny. You need to go watch her. And when she was in So You Think Can Drag, she did a funny girl number. And it is iconic. And you need to go watch it. It's really iconic.
0: I'm going to look for that now because obviously she won Snatch Game as Liza. And she has a prosthetic nose in
1: it, and it's so good.
0: Well, yeah. was, when you mentioned Barbara, I was going to say the last time Barbara was on Drag Race, it was Manila with that gigantic prosthetic nose.
1: Yeah, yeah that was not great. But um, no. And that's like older Barbara, which is a little different. That was like Oprah show Barbara, you know, where she, the mic is white and her sweater is white and the dog is white. She was doing like young Barbara, which is a little more kooky, a little more funny, yeah. wacky, you know, zany and kind of sexy.
0: I mean, because I feel like it, obviously she's so funny and funny girl.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Like even you, her little.
1: Have you seen What's Up, Doc? I have not. No. That's a really good movie.
0: Is it's that really Barbara? good. You should
1: watch that. Yes, it's a Barbara film.
0: I'm yeah. going to add that to my list. Um. Cause I mean, Dolly does movies as well. Which have you seen her Christmas movie on Netflix?
1: Um, uh, Christmas in the Square. No, yeah. I have not. Not yet. No. Uh,
0: I mean, I love Dolly, and I was watching that, and I was like, "Girl, what are you doing? What are you doing?" One,
1: of, one of my favorite Dolly movies is I think it's called Talk Radio, and she plays um, she plays a talk radio host who answers people's questions when they call in. It's a really funny.
0: I, she would be so sassy at that.
1: Yeah, there's a clip of a guy who calls in who's like, I like to wear women's clothes. I like to wear women's dresses. What do I do? And she's like, well, honey, the best advice that I can give you is don't wear a stiletto on freshly sod soil because you're just going to aerate it. <laughs> Something
0: like that. My favorite one, I can't remember what it's called. It's the hair salon one.
1: Steel Magnolia.
0: Yes. The hair salon one. <laughs> I oh, can, my God. I can feel the daggers. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. This, but obviously, like, nine to five is such a classic as well.
1: I can quote that whole movie. What size shoe do you wear? Oh, I wear a six. But you know what? Seven feels so good. I just wear an eight.
0: <laughs> like there's just a, Do you have a favorite Dolly song?
1: Um... I, I don't know that I can narrow it down, but I do love Tennessee Mountain Home.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I found some of like her really old ones are like they just make me cry. Like the bridge. It's my favorite dolly.
1: The old dolly is my favorite. Just yes, the bridge. Um
0: that's actually not
1: um she didn't write that. That is an old folk song.
0: Oh, okay. I so. didn't know that. Yeah. Because I feel like she's got such a mix of, like, her own stuff and then Borrowed. And then, like, folk songs, yeah. Do you do Dolly... Do you shows as Dolly as well?
1: Um, I've done, I've done... I've no, done... I've only done two Dolly... Dolly is new to the quarantine. Oh, okay. So, the Dolly show you saw was the very first time I'd ever done Dolly. Really? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh. She's been in the works for a while, but she... You know, i i i had gotten to i've gotten to a point in Judy that like I do feel like I've mastered Judy Garland, so I wanted to move on to creating homage lip sync plays, basically, to other people. Um, and the only the other person who was that close to my heart was Dolly Parton. Um, growing up in Nashville and being so um, close to where she's actually from. And also, like, so much of her is about the look, you know? And as a costume designer, I love that. So, yeah. it just she's seems definitely... logical.
0: I just, because she's so tiny, isn't she? And then you Four see foot her eleven, and yeah. Like
1: Her and, cinch, and, right her and like... Judy! Judy was also four foot eleven. So. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, I feel she like... She wears a size five shoe, I think. But all of her shoes are
0: custom, so. Of course. Of course really? they are. I feel like she's probably the same size as Joe Black. Uh, Dolly? Yeah.
1: In some, in some parts, maybe. Some areas. Other areas, not so much. <laughs>
0: um, and when you're... I've got slightly jumbled because we started talking about Dolly and I sidetracked mm-hmm. us again. Um, but when you're, like, putting together numbers for a show, do you start with... Do you start with a look and then you say... I want to design this, and then it goes for this, this, and this number, or do you say, like, I want to do this song, and then it goes the other way around?
1: Um, it just depends. There's no there's no rule. Um, When I do burlesque, usually I design the look with a number in mind. Um, you know, with things like Judy and Dolly, it's just about creating a closet of looks that they wore. And when I create things for Gloria, I'm really looking at what I'm really looking at what is not in my wardrobe and trying to do things that I don't have um, and trying to do new things for me. And um, then I usually find numbers that go along with them. So stuff for Gloria is not usually, I don't usually design things for a specific number in mind um, unless it's something like a pageant or a competition or I've been asked to curate a number for an event then i might do that but usually it's um about creating a more diverse closet for myself than it is about creating a look for performance
0: because i wanted so. to ask you about your burlesque as well because we've got louisiana that's mm. coming on in a few weeks to talk about mm. that as well and how did you sort of find like the intersection of drag and burlesque
1: um i mean not a lot of people do it and if they do it it's comedy you know, and when I do burlesque and drag, it's not comedy. It's little, it takes itself a little more seriously. Um, and it's sexy and also emotional and sometimes cerebral. Um, I just find I love, so I love clothes, right? We, that's established. And it's really fun to design the way that clothes come off. Um, and it's really fun to take clothes off. So that's why I like doing burlesque is I really like thinking about the way that each item is going to come off and then doing it very um seamlessly, you know. Yeah. Cause as somebody who makes clothes, I enjoy dressing other people. So I enjoy also enjoy dressing and undressing myself. It's and I enjoy like I enjoy showing my body too. And I enjoy like um you know, showing a body and then my body not necessarily being, you know, a certain expectation people may have, you know, that's kind of fun too.
0: I love like getting sucked into watching like Dita Von T's videos. And mm-hmm. just watching like video after because you can't stop watching them.
1: Yeah. And you know, there's something about people like Dita Von T's That it's empowering, but it's not as subversive as watching a drag artist do it. Yeah. And so that's another layer that I enjoy about doing it is that it does feel very subversive to gender norms and sexuality.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna end up cutting this bit out because I don't want it in the episode. But I'm just like I know I've talked to you about this before, like wanting to start drag. And I'm finally, like, have committed to, like, buying some bits and pieces because I want to do, like, dragon burlesque, like, fused together. Um, So you're probably going to end up getting, like, 101 questions from me in the next year. But, like, I've just done this. Yeah. I was speaking to Giselle, and she was like, you need to work on your flexibility. And I was like, okay. Didn't even think about that. I was like, this cannot stretch this leg higher than that. I mean, it depends on what your burlesque is.
1: You know, I don't, my burlesque is really about standing there and taking clothes off. You know, it's not about dancing and aerials and, you know, um, burlesque can be about anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be about
0: flexibility. Do you lip sync when you burlesque?
1: Yeah, I do, which most burlesque artists don't do.
0: No, I was going to say.
1: My favorite is to do spoken word in burlesque. Like to talk, but it's not me talking, obviously, it's something from a movie or a TV show or something like that, or an interview. I love doing that because I think it's very counterintuitive, yeah. Um, and I think it's really sexy, it's really kind of cerebral and sexy and smart.
0: I love that idea because it, you're, I guess, normally you're expecting like quite like jazzy, like burlesque music, but if it's like an intellectual conversation, like you said, it subverts. Someone can just sit there and be like, "Oh, this is sexy. It's also sexy, but intelligent." And
1: yeah, or really, you know, what usually it is for me is like, like I have a streetcar named Desire burlesque number where I burlesque to um, a monologue from a from streetcar, where she talks about um, having a lover who ends up being a husband who who ends up coming out to her as gay, and then he kills himself. And it's a very emotionally raw and emotionally vulnerable um, monologue, which is like what makes it pair well with burlesque is because burlesque can also be very um, vulnerable, literally. And And so that's what I usually do is I pair them with something kind of vulnerable emotionally.
0: Because when I've like seen like pictures and stuff for when you do and it's it's full like you start like full gown and everything and then go right the way down because I know some people start like sort of midway
1: yeah no for me it's like the more the merrier like I will be like one of my burlesque numbers is literally like a jacket a skirt suit a blouse a slip a bra a garter a panty hose shoes gloves hat like there's a lot (laughs) of elements to remove yeah, but that's like, and it's a lot to take off in three minutes or whatever. But that's why I enjoy doing it is because I think it's impressive to watch. Yeah, somebody take all that stuff off very elegantly and beautifully,
0: and but um, also like you said, in such a short space of time, while lip syncing—that's yeah. extreme talent. But I mean, to make it look effortless. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, cause. You do, like, you've told me before, you need to know, like, so many numbers to work in New York. How many numbers do you yeah. think you have in, like, your repertoire?
1: Um. So I have an Excel document um, where I keep track of every number that I know and that I do. Even if it's just, like, a a song I know the words to and I've just learned the words because sometimes it comes up in drag roulette. You know, it's literally, like, what are songs I can lip sync to? Um, And sometimes they're actual curated numbers. And there's like 200 in my Excel document. And most of them are numbers. Most of them are like actual curated kind of numbers. Like mix Mm -hmm. or things. Yeah, or a favorite in New York is to take a song and to, you know, have you seen Monet's exchange? Uh, Monet exchanges, um, uh, what's that song? The corner that you met. Uh, This Celine Dion. If you touch me like this, if you hold oh. me like that, it's all coming, all back, coming back, back, back to me. Have you ever seen Monet's version of that song? No. Uh, okay. Well, you don't know drag if you have not seen that. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> it is, to me, the definition of New oh. York drag is the way she does that song
0: Bob because does it as well don't. Yeah, I've seen Bob do it, but I've never seen Monet do it. Yeah, yeah,
1: maybe I'm thinking of Bob's version of it.
0: I've seen a video of him like on a clip. Okay, okay, wait, 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 wait,
1: cut this out, cut this part out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, leave it in, but cut it out. I'm sorry, I totally mixed it up. You are correct. The way that Bob does, uh, Celine Dion's, um, Wait, what's that song called?
0: All Coming Back to Me.
1: It's All Coming Back to Me. (laughs) It is so iconic to me and is like the definition of New York Drag because it is not a mix. It is not, there's nothing edited about the song. It is just the straight song, but she acts it out in a way that is so hilarious. It's so so funny. funny. And to me, that is that is a classic New York drag number, is to take a song that everyone knows and to completely turn it on its head just by performing it differently.
0: I mean, do you, you know, have, you mentioned like drag roulette. Is that, in a lot of clubs, do you have to do that? Or bars?
1: Yeah, that's like a classic New York way to end a drag show is to be like, okay, we're going to go, now we're going to do a part of the show that we call Drag Roulette. That is where me, the drag queen, Take, the drag queen takes suggestions from you the audience whether i know them or not and our dj dj whatever is going to put them into a, into uh a file and we will go through them in a roulette style fashion some people call it drag suicide but we like to be mental health positive here yeah. <laughs> um so uh drag roulette also has like kind of a negative connotation with like you know russian roulette so some people call it drag potpourri um but it's really fun and you go around the audience and sometimes you're like okay for you know if you give me a tip you can give a song suggestion so it's also a way to get tips smart um and sometimes people give very good ones and sometimes people give you terrible things like enya um and those are often the best ones like the really weird wacky ones. so
0: I didn't realize that was a New York thing because Jan did that in one of her digital shows at the end.
1: Oh, yeah. She calls it Suggest Jans.
0: Yes, Suggest Jans. Yeah. Because yeah. something else I wanted to ask you about, because New York has so much drag like we've talked about, and there's, there's like brunches, you could host nights, there's like tip spots. Which, what is like the most, I don't want to say like the most economical, but like what's the most viable way to survive as like a New York drag queen?
1: Um, or, I'm not sure how to answer that question. I think do, it's like everything. I think it's really figuring out what you do well and doing it the best to your ability. Because New York City, there's always an audience, um, and there's always an audience that's not been tapped. You know, so uh, I think the most valuable thing as a drag artist is to not, don't try to fit in to what someone else is already doing or somebody else's existing audience try to create your own audience that comes to your own show. Um, Because not only are they going to be uniquely invested in you, but you're going to be able to do things that are unique to you um, and different than what anyone else does in drag. Um, And it will make more of a reason, you know, people like, Oh, I really want to go to the Gloria swan song show because it's not really like anything else I see on a. Saturday night or whatever, you know. Yeah. So, um, trying to make a really an event of it. Um, the most lucrative thing is drag brunch. Most lucrative thing you can do. So, I,
0: I thought it would be like hosting and stuff. I think as a
1: weekly show, drag brunch is very very lucrative.
0: Because I so. guess you get like a fee and then tips and stuff as well.
1: It's a lot of tipping. Yeah, yeah it's heavy tipping usually.
0: They don't tip in the UK, which is
1: bizarre. I wouldn't do that. No, I wouldn't do that. I mean, there's such a culture here of tip culture. Yeah. That like tipping is built, the way people tip is built into the way drag artists do numbers. It is audience participation. So yeah. to me, it is not a drag show if people aren't tipping because you're interacting with the queen in a very unique or the drag artist in a very unique way. Yeah. That. Um I just, just it's boring if you don't get to do it.
0: You know, We can't like throw one pound coins at people here. That'd be a harassment.
1: Yeah, I guess. But don't you all have notes?
0: The lowest we have is a five. Which that's I feel like that's gonna take a push though to get people to do that. Interesting. Hmm. But I mean I think it's I guess partly from, like, the culture as well. But I saw this video of Tamisha, um, Tamisha Amon doing a performance in Atlanta. And I think it was sometime the last week. And she was, because you can't move around because of COVID, she was stood at the front and there was a line of people and they were just walking up and, like, giving her a dollar in the middle of her number. And I was like, get a bucket, pass it around, like, stop interrupting her.
1: Very pageant. To, Is like, that... just stand there and people walk up and hit you, <laughs> It dollars.
0: was literally, like, a line of people. And then one lady stood there and she was just doing this for, like, 30 seconds of the song. And I was like, girl, move along.
1: Um, Tina Burner, this summer on Fire Island, um, put a bucket on the end of a broomstick. <laughs> and just, like, held the bucket out on the broomstick to people. <laughs> so they That's... were far away from her. It was very That's funny. That's genius. Very I mean,
0: they've started to like, you can like tip, because like at the minute when stuff was open in the fall, you'd have to order your drinks on like an app. So you could tip on there and you can like pick. not
1: as fun. It's no. not as fun. Not as fun to me. I um, I do have to go soon.
0: Yes, sorry. I don't want no, to. I just got one last um, thing I want to say was, because obviously like with tipping, because we're very club based. Mm-hmm. Like you'd be in a pack, so you don't have space to tip, rather than like being sat down. And it's because of all of those bizarre New York laws, I think. That what are do you really mean? So different, because obviously you're like seated in a bar because of like the cabaret law and things.
1: People are very rarely seated though really? in New York. Yeah, they're usually standing around. Sometimes maybe. they're seated. Am I the
0: impression I've got because of like COVID? Then.
1: Yeah, maybe I'm not sure. Yeah, no, most, most venues, it's like a comb- combination of there's some seating, but most people are standing. standing. Yeah, so part of, like, your set is, like, figuring out how to get back there to the people who are standing to get tips from them, too. Um. So a lot of queens in New York have tip numbers that are literally about tipping.
0: That's smart, though, because then you Or
1: about money. Room. Yeah, you have to work the room. Yeah, oh, sis. yeah. It's all about the hustle.
0: But to sort of, like, wrap up, then, I guess this is, like, the closing question. Pre-COVID, when you could mix and be in busy venues and things, if I was coming to a glorious fauncheong show, what would I, like, expect?
1: Um, You would expect to see um, an array of numbers, everything from, uh, you know, the 40s to, like, the 80s to some current stuff. I also do rap. I love to lip-sync rap. I uh
0: not have hard. you
1: ranked as a rap queen. Oh, are you kidding me? I I can kill I can kill a Nicki Minaj.
0: Song. Next Insta Live Show. Yeah, okay. I'll
1: do my I'll do a Nicki Minaj. Um and uh maybe some spoken word. Um it depends on the venue if that's like appropriate or that's gonna be quiet enough to do. Um and uh and definitely some Broadway. I really love to do Broadway, but not as much as some people.
0: But it's such a good mix, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, and what you would you should also expect a really amazing outfit that performs very, very well. And um really beautifully styled hair.
0: And if you oh. check out Gloria's Instagram, which is is it Gloria underscore swansong? Yes. You can see all of these gorgeous looks as well. And I'm going to link that in the description of the episode. So you can check that out. Do you have any other social medias you want to share?
1: Um, I can, I'm on Facebook as Glory Swansong. I'm on uh, Twitter as Glory Swan Song. Um, Venmo and PayPal as Glory Swansong. Never bad time to drag queen. And um, I do, I am going to, I have not released a poster for it yet, but I am going to do a digital Judy Garland show on March 14th. So put that into your calendar Um, and it's going to be different than any other Judy show I've ever done. I've pre-recorded a bunch. I've like curated and filmed some numbers for it that are really, really fun. So
0: I definitely look forward to seeing that and I'll link that in the, if the ticket ticketed, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. I'll link that in the description as well. Um, But thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it and we'll be back next week well actually we'll be back on monday with a drag race recap um i'm tra- this is 2 weeks into the future so i can't remember who will be on it but someone will be on it um a uk queen it will be recapping that week's episode and we'll be back on friday with another in- interview so thank you so much for listening <laughs>